Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 69. Nice. Of nice. Storyteller Conclave, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? You know, I've got a cider and a smile on my face. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this week is definitely going uh, significantly better than... Uh, than, than previous weeks I yeah think. i'd say so yeah. i'd say so this is less 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 online therapy and and, 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 <laughs> and, more, and more more two friends having, yeah. having a nice quiet discussion yeah and i think I, I think tonight especially is going to be more of a discussion than us doing tutelage or something like that because yeah. of the topic absolutely so um i want to actually uh, just go before we before we like dig into the topic sure sure um i want to give a quick uh, couple shout outs uh first off we got a uh, uh, one or two new members to the to oh this yeah. Board. yeah 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 um uh, new member uh, Huluvu uh, yeah. actually submitted a question for us tonight. I'm totally too, down so. for that. Um, awesome. Uh, welcome there. And yes, yes. Uh, so recently, uh, Sean and I started playing um, Eve Echoes. Uh, so online. spreadsheets, <laughs> the handheld game. Yeah, spreadsheets, the handheld game. Okay, yes. fair enough. Fair uh, enough. It's a it's a com- kind of a, a version of uh, Eve Online for the mobile platforms. Sure, sure. Okay. And. Um, I, I casually dropped in our Discord today that uh, we do this disc this this uh, podcast, so we, we might have a few uh, a few of my spacefaring. Well, welcome them along. Welcome, welcome them along. Welcome as well to others. Uh, I don't think from... Eve is a very RP, but it does tend to bleed a little bit sometimes. It, it bleeds a little bit, and yeah. you know what? I, I it, you know it, uh, just like a lot of uh, you know MMO style games, it yeah. attracts a certain type of player. And uh, there was some good discussion in in that Discord about other people's role playing histories and such like that. So that's fantastic. Uh, that's big fantastic. shout out to my friends from the Red Hand. If yeah. Yes, welcome. If if you are here, welcome. We raise a glass to you. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, now tonight's uh, tonight's uh, topic. It's a contributor topic. Yeah. So if you are a contributor level on our Patreon, mm-hmm. um, one of the perks that you enjoy is the ability to suggest show topics to us. Yes, and nine times out of ten, we say sure. Yeah. Um. And uh. uh so one of our contributors, uh, Knox in the Box, has given us this uh, great little suggestion after our um, system spotlight on adventure tales of the Aeon Society. Uh, the, the the question kind of put to us was, um, this is now I'm curious about a show on doing space games. Uh, how adventury can you get with those, and how fast and loose? For example, an old puppet show I love, Fireball XL5, um, <laughs> old as in black and white TV. And puppet show. Right, I know. <laughs> uh, the creator couldn't put space helmets on the puppets because it messed with the strings, so he had them just take, quote-unquote, oxygen pills and go out into space. Mm-hmm. Can you make weird re- rules like that in your world? And, I mean, the short answer is, sure. yes. Yeah, you All right. totally can. Good show, Rob. Yep, Let's, that was great. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, obviously the long, the longer answer. Uh, Rob and I both had some 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 opinions on that. We did, we did. Um, I think we we our brains went in separate directions. We each typed up similar essays in in the Discord. Uh, because when you when you channel. make when the contributor channel when you make your contribution, we talk back and forth a little about it, just so we can get a better understanding of it. And yeah. sometimes that Sarah and I can argue. <laughs> we were, we it wasn't an argument. I didn't think we argued. We, we just no. we just had two different takes on. The topic both uh, well, equally what valid the... neither neither excluding the other but... right right and what was interesting was is not even god probably not even a month ago i had been watching and reading uh, a couple different people posting um in youtube and a couple of discussion topics about uh hard and soft storytelling yeah and so my brain was in that wavelength which was funny what you brought up not mm-hmm. what i was actually thinking okay, okay so so it's funny how i shifted gears <laughs> And uh, so we'll we'll describe our takes, and then we're going to get into this. So my take on it was that uh, Knox was really talking about uh, for systems, 
that have very hard and fast rules when it comes to things for, you know, shadow run. What uh, we call crunchy systems. Yeah, crunchy usually. systems, yeah. you know, where, where it's like you have fall damage and this is how you calculate it. You have, you know, rules for ricochet or, or if you're, if you're an old school shadow runner, chunky salsa, mm-hmm. you know, where a grenade goes off in a room, things are going to happen. How small is the room? How strong <laughs> is the room? I didn't ask you how big the room was. I <laughs> right. said I cast fireball. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, there are some systems that are very crunchy about their rules and the question is is how soft can you get with those rules to accommodate your story mm-hmm. so that you're not you know working so hard yeah. at it you know yeah. where where those pieces don't become stumbling blocks and where, where how quickly s- do you have to shift systems yeah where you where you stop playing a role playing game right. and, st- and storytelling and you start playing a reality simulator right whereas yeah. you kind of brought up so uh, what i brought up um the ideas of hard and soft sci-fi and then extended that into like hard and soft fantasy and stuff like that. And that is the concept of um, how magical and hand wavy is your technology or magic or otherwise fantastical elements in your uh, uh, in your storytelling. Do you have rules for how they work? Um, and you know, are they based on physics or real science or anything like that? You know, could you write a technical manual about the thing that you know that is the fantastical element in your in your uh, right. story? Or is it just, oh, it works, it's magical, it's technology. Well, just bounce it off the deflector shield. It just, yeah, bounce it off the deflector shield. Gra- grab a tricorder. Yeah. What does a tricorder do? It scans things. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that. But um, I think that the, the two topics are very much linked because I think as you get more harder in your storytelling, the harder you have to kind of get with your rules and with your adjudication. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've got... We've got some angles on that, but that's that's our topic for the night. Yeah. Um, how do you want to do this? I would say let's start with story and move to rules. Let's start right. with yours, because I, I, like I was saying, I tend to, my brain shifted immediately once you started saying sure. yours, like, I went the wrong direction in my head. But, and I, I kind of like where you're going, where you went with it, and I really loved some of your descriptions, so I will, I will step down from the soapbox and let you have the floor for a few oh, minutes here while me... I plug in my thoughts. I just, uh... Step up here onto the soapbox, <laughs> and all right. So, hard and soft storytelling. I just kind of gave you a, a rough, uh, rough example of it. Um, and when you're talking about storytelling, you're really kind of talking about world building, setting really. and world yeah, building, yeah. setting and world building really yeah. more. Yep, um, yep, yep. Uh, but but it does kind of bleed into, into into storytelling as well because yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll bleed to it be, because how you tell your story based off of this and and the details that are important to your story um, are very largely based around this. So. Um, so your harder uh, style um, story selling, your, your harder style settings um, are going to be clearly defined rules on how the fantasy elements work, like I said. Um, oftentimes, these are going to be backed up by real world physics. If it's even something like magic, I mean, mm-hmm. you can still kind of do things with real world physics, even when you're involving magic. You know, yeah. even if, if whether you're using technology or magic to, say, superheat the, the air in a room. Sure. You know, you can then extrapolate that into real world physics of it will have certain effects. Air will expand or contract in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It will have this effect on the physical objects, depending on their composition, et cetera, et cetera. Um, examples of uh, hard science or, you know, hard storytelling like that. Sure. Um, so, for example, Isaac Asimov, um, I believe, was was uh, pretty pretty hard in his. He was pretty crunchy with his storytelling. Um, so a lot of yeah, a lot of his storytelling had to do with you know uh, actual honest to goodness you know implications of robotics when space mm-hmm. travel happened. You know it was 
large amounts of time that mm-hmm. you know g- whole generation ships and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, yeah uh, an actual simply, term yeah. yeah because because people lived and died on these ships because it took yeah. so long to get anywhere yeah it wasn't warp drive you know? no um battle tech uh, it's very crunchy we got no see i don't i, I mean i mean the, the rules wise yeah rules wise it's crunchy but what i'm talking about is just the world building here i still think it's pretty crunchy because you you understand how the communications work. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I, I don't right. think I don't know. Crunchy's Crunchy's more hard. of what I, what I refer to as rules. Let's go with rules. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah. It's, so it's hard. It's it's hard storytelling. It's sure. hard sci-fi. Yes. Okay. From it's understood. Of, it's defined. Yeah. Exactly. We've got you're, there are uh, so how how BattleTech works is you've got um, drop ships and jump ships. Okay, your jump ships are essentially stationary ships mm-hmm. that can fold space. Okay, and they've got some ideas on how that happens and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But basically, they, they deploy these large solar cells. They charge their, their gigantic batteries off mm-hmm. of the off solar energy for like a week. Yeah. Um, and then it folds space, and it instantly instantaneously appears somewhere like up to seven light years away, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yep. Um, those aren't what you're going to be piloting. No. What you're going to be flying on is called a dropship. A dropship goes from the planet... To the jump ship, and when they and then it basically just hitches a ride like a big piece of luggage, and then when it folds space, it then detaches from the jump ship in whatever other system it ends up in, mm-hmm. and has to make planet fall for the next two weeks, because again, these aren't you know warp drive magical you know we can make it there in fifteen minutes sort of trips. It's hard sci-fi. We account for things like the size of the damn solar system, um, and even with space age technology, that's a long trip. You know, uh, there's a lot of other elements, and I'm a huge Battletech fan, so I'm going to stop myself there because I will go on all podcasts about you it. You will. Um, but uh, just to kind of take this down to, so that so that I can show that it doesn't only extend to sci-fi, um, you can go into magic with it as well. Mistborn. Okay. Uh, so uh, Mistborn is a series uh, book series by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, there yeah. is a, there is a role playing game attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean actually has the book for it. I've never played it though. I've never actually okay. looked at the rules for it. Um, okay, might actually be worth looking at though. Um, but anyways, uh, Brandon Sanderson is uh, largely known in the fantasy writing um, genre as uh, one of the best people at creating magic systems. Okay, because he does so much world building and crunch with how the system works. Okay. Um, and so you pick up any one of his books and he's going to have a you know, dozen different uh, magic systems in them. Like Mistborn specifically has actually three different types of magic in it. Right. Um, but he has hard rules for how those work. Right. And those have serious story implications. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's never, there's never an instance where the power is hand waved of just, oh, it can do this. Right. Or, or, or a, a rule that it's something one person did doesn't apply to another. Exactly. In fact, in, it's, it's so well written um, and so, you know, rules based that like when he introduces a new, um, a new uh, element that you haven't seen to it before, you can intuit based off of the other rules and how the rest of the magic system works, what this new thing is going to do. Um, and so, uh, that's a great example of like a hard fantasy, um, system. Uh, so flip side of the coin. You yes. Got soft. Soft. All right. So your soft systems are your hand wavy, your magical, your, it just works sort of stuff. Yeah. Where they, where the weight, and, and I'm not going to say heavily, but mm-hmm. 
the weight is mostly on the narrative of the sto- of the characters. Yeah. Like these and this extends from the extravagant. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars is relatively extravagant when it comes to its hand waving. Oh yeah. We don't know how Star Destro- Star Destroyers are powered, mm-hmm. really. They have reactors. That's an assumption because they blew it up. Sure. You know, uh, they they have laser-ish weapons, mm-hmm. you know, um, and bolt throwers and things like that. It, but nobody really goes into detail nor really reloads. Ships can make the jump to light speed. But right. But how, how fast is it really? Yeah. Does it exceed light speed? Is it just light speed? Right. How do they go to light speed? Do they go to ludicrous speed? <laughs> You know, have, have they gone plaid? Right. Um, and and when they do try to s- explain things after a series, and, and this is a case in point, and I'll get to this a little later, of where things can go awry, when you add hard rules into an existing setting, it gets weird. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily fit with everything that's happened thus far. Right. And the thing about soft storytelling is that a lot of times um, you use soft storytelling in things like Star Wars. Star Trek is also a very soft system. I think it's an exceptionally soft system that has a lot of Hard points when necessary. Hard points when necessary. Um, and I, I actually kind of jotted down Harry Potter is a pretty no. soft magic system. It is. It is exceptionally soft. And realistically, a lot of people look at it and say it's too soft to do other kinds of storytelling within it. It yeah. makes it very challenging because at that point you start like, hey, why didn't you just do X? Because you did it over here mm-hmm. to solve Y. Right. Or, you know, why don't. Why hasn't things evolved in a certain way? You haven't explained why these people still look like they're in the 19th century. Yeah. When clearly they should be way more advanced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it's things like that that things can get a little awry in soft storytelling unless it's not, there's no weight put to it. Right. right. You know, and, and some soft storytelling that, like, I was looking at was, like, when you look at things like Studio Ghibli's uh, mm-hmm. animations, those are exceptionally soft storytelling. Sure. They only give you the rules that you need to know to get to know the character and why they're in the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, once you know the characters and who they are, pretty much everything just rolls. Yeah, there's there's some there's some established um, you know things that, that that are you know magical or fantastical in mm-hmm. those stories, and you kind of you kind of understand them, but they're really more symbolic than anything else. And those symbols are very easy to recognize. And I think in soft mm-hmm. storytelling, symbolism is or or you know, symbolism is almost easier to right. use. Right. You know, when you use words like deflector shield, your brain already thinks it knows things about that. Yeah, exactly. And that makes it really easy whereas you say where, where on the other hands if you're like, well, it's this new element called unobtainium, and you're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> what, what indeed? Yeah, so it doesn't quite add to the air of understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's where things in soft storytelling as far as settings can go sideways. And, and I mean, I, I think it's it's key at this point in the discussion to uh, just clarify that, like, there's nothing r- right or wrong about hard or soft storytelling. Like, they're literally just different styles. Um, neither is, is is better than the other. Um, they each have 
good points and bad points to them. Soft storytelling is prone to inconsistencies because it is very hand wavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment somebody does start digging into it, and we'll get into this in a little bit, right? Um, the moment somebody does start digging into it and asking for actual answers, oftentimes you come up empty. Right. And if you have to make them up on the fly, you can start writing yourself into some inconsistencies, which can be exploited later. Right. So... Usually, like when I look at soft storytelling, which a lot, if I'm using a pre-existing setting, Mm -hmm. I almost consider those to be relatively hard because it's something that can be read. There's details within it. It's there are things that are beyond my story that that are able to be found. Yeah, typically, if you're going to write a rule book about something, you're in your in your code. You've already codified those things, and therefore, it kind of ventures into. Or ventures into into hard territory. Correct. Because you don't necessarily know who's going to need to read that, what the reader needs mm-hmm. out of that story. On the other hand, if I'm just telling a story in a, a relatively contemporary or fantasy setting, I'm only ever going to explain what I need to explain. Yeah. If the player has a question about a certain area, sure, I might explain that one area, but that's about as far as I'm going to go. Right, right. I don't need to go into more detail than that. Because it's not important. The story is what's important. And I'm See, pushing that. And that's and that's that's I think like one of the areas that you and I were talking about, you know, having some complications with your players, is even if you are trying to do a soft style of storytelling, you may have a player that wants to dig into that that aspect. And and that's where we get closer to what my point was. Right, is where the rule starts stepping in. So I, I, let's let's shift gears a little bit here. Uh huh. Um, and that is is that when we talk about soft rules or soft storytelling and we're talking about the rules side of things we're talking about being light on history and light on lineage and light on things like that things that aren't important to the story and that really have no rules weight but players will find things to focus on Mm -hmm. and i think that's where things can get a little dicey um i personally have had experiences where um where i put something into a story um that I thought was just a descriptor and the person dug into it. Oh yeah. Like hardcore. And it was something they were very interested in as a person, not Mm -hmm. necessarily their character, but of course we carry weights of our own into our characters every time. I mean, early characters that I played, I played heavy tech characters who were all about computers because it was what I knew Mm -hmm. and I would be good at that. Um, You know, and I I diversify a lot more now because I want to play something different. I want to be something different. Um, but there are things that people will carry over into the games, and um, you know, I'm I'm going to s- explain this in a different way to you know to protect the innocent um, uh, because there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, but effectively, like I was describing in a particular uh, general narrative of an area, I was like, you know, you guys enter into the Grand Castle, and there are you know uh, beautiful rugs uh, and and tapestries uh, and uh, the uh, princess and uh, king and queen are there and all the la- uh, all the ladies in waiting um, have uh, is exquisitely tooled uh, sashes across their chest um, that uh, that linger down to the floor with um, you know tassels hanging off of them and that person basically leaned in and was just like so what color are the tassels and I'm like what and they're like are they brocade or braided tassels are they using like a silk thread or and I'm like uh, they're cotton tassel. Right. I, I don't. What's, I don't what's know the thread count on the sashes. Yeah, and then for like the next four games, they're trying to negotiate ways to get the sashes to examine them so that they can replicate them and start 
I don't know, giving them to other people? And I was like, why does this have so much weight to you? Right. And then it dawned on me that the person does a lot of sewing and, you know, has started getting involved in communities where they're making their own fabrics and such. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh God, it's what they're interested in. And I just literally handed them a a, a visual. So it's like, this has nothing to do with my game, but it has everything to do with what they're interested in. And I handed, so I had to kind of pull and I literally stopped using those descriptions in my game uh-huh. to pull them away from it. And that was the easiest way to handle that. Um, but that's one example where you, you're trying to go soft into something and your players draw you into hard things. Um, another is where you're dealing with um, physical rules. And this mm-hmm. is where things get crunchy, like we were talking about, where you might have a player in a sci-fi game who's very interested in the air system on the ship and how air gets produced and moved around the ship right and right. interested in in that because they're interested in shutting it down on other ships of a common quality yeah and they're like, like oh i'm going to use this as a way to attack other ships uh-huh. you know and you're like oh i mean that's a clever way of doing it but at the same time but I'm like, now i need to figure out how the hell an air system you know air circulation system on a you know exactly 20 uh you know 2847 era spaceship works and what sort of fail safes they'd have in place and it's like exactly oh, and so in that i love that you're you not ingenuity but come on <laughs> yeah and and the other harder part of that is that you have to remain consistent yeah. so you're you're literally coming up with on the fly things that you didn't plan for and rules and physics and math that now you're going to have to continue with consistency right right you're creating a crunch that wasn't there before so so we got some, we got some chatter in the live go chat. For it, go for um, it. Uh, so Heatsink, uh, that's Sean, mm-hmm. uh, says, uh, "I guess fate is soft storytelling, um, since PC can interject and change things, lore, history, people, some new NPCs, um, etc. Uh, not a lot is set since the PCs are telling the narrative with the GM." Um, I don't know about that. I mean, you it's it's a it's a narrative based system. It's definitely right. flexible. Correct. But I think the level of hard or soft really depends on how you're telling the story. Correct. Like, yeah, your PCs can interject, you know, lore and history and things like that, but can they interject how physics work? Exactly, and that's where... Can they change technology? Right. Well, and here's the other thing is, is that if you have an understanding with your players about how something's going to go, how mm-hmm. a story's going to go, like, for instance, 7C is very heroic. I'm fully expecting my players to survive falls from 60 feet up. Sure. They're going to have to explain how they fell and survived that. You know, whether they landed on a straw cart and whether or not this is, you know, that kind of a situation. Or I'm going to be running games like Shadowrun where literally you're bleeding out. There's a solid chance you're going to die. Mm -hmm. I can still make it heroic and have a dock wagon save you, but it's going to cost you money and you're going to be in debt and you're going to deal with all kinds of other stuff that has to go with that. Um, It's... It comes down to how the storyteller is telling the story. Not necessarily... The system does make it easier... When you have a crunchy system to explain crunchy rules, that that's still true. Fate is a non-crunchy system, but it doesn't mean that you immediately are assuming everything is not crunchy. Mm-hmm. That is really up to the storyteller. Again, if I'm watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and he falls off of a building into a fiery you know, building below him, the assumption is is that he's not dead because it's a heroic story. Because the movie is named so, Robin Hood. Right. So <laughs> later on, they're going to get on a catapult and launch them over a wall, which uh-huh. physics tells you that's not going to work. But you know what? Earlier, he fell from 60 feet into a building. No big deal. Sure. You know, in fire and survived it. Sure. No, no, no problems there whatsoever. 
you know, there's a certain understanding of plot armor, but that doesn't mean correct. that, you know, but at the same rules... time, if I'm telling the expanse mm-hmm. style story and literally a, some kind of a round shoots through the building and tears a hole or tear, tears a hole through the ship. Now there's hole breaches. Now there's, yeah. yeah. Air is lose is being lost out of that ship. There was, um, yeah. So Sean and I have been watching the expanse pretty heavily. Um, and, uh, like there was a real, uh, moment that really kind of stood, stood out with the, with the hard sci-fi for me. Uh, not that that whole show isn't hard sci-fi. I mean, but, um, they were in zero G and, uh, a bunch of people got injured. And basically one of the people was kind of triaging the, uh, the injured and said, uh, and there was another person who had very rarely done any space travel or been in any sort of combat or anything like that, um, came in and said, Hey, I used to be a nurse. Uh, I'll offer to help. I can, uh, I can watch over them and, you know, help, help, uh, you know, save these people. And he says, is this your, your first space combat? Cause, uh, these people are pretty much dead. Like they're, um, you know, in, in, in space, there's no gravity and there's no way for wounds to drain. Yeah. And so you're basically just going to get like pooling blood, pooling blood. And like, there's no way for these things to heal and stuff like that. Essentially internal bleeding is a death sentence mm-hmm. in zero G and that that's a hard rule right there. That is some hard sci-fi because man, how in, you know, in any softer of an environment, you just be like, oh yeah, sure. You know, you, you have medics, medics save people. Of course, they're just going to triage them. But like, man, I never even thought about the effects of gravity. Oh on, yeah, on wounds and you know, that's that's some grim stuff, right? Well, there. and again, when we're talking hard storytelling, we're also nece- we're we're also waiting in, uh, like situations like weather. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a very grim story just because of weather. Oh yeah. And we're sorry if you're having some audio issues on MixLR. I got a couple warning messages on our, our, our broadcaster here. It's it's complaining about low bandwidth or something. So we apologize if you're having issues there. I think it's actually on the their end, not on our end, because I am not seeing any problems on our end. Um, so I, I do apologize. So hopefully we'll be able to, uh, the, the, the recorded stream will be much better for this. We'll continue. Yep, yep. So, um... So when we're talking about hard and soft, we're talking about both sides of the coin. We're talking about not only designing your setting and designing your story mm-hmm. in either a a hard or soft manner, but also your rule set so that your players can have it. And you kind of have to understand who your players are to be able to accept that. Oh, so, yeah. Some of your players will not do well in a soft rule setting. Mm-hmm. They they need something to latch on to and hold on to. I mean, I, I can't imagine trying to play Monopoly with soft rules. <laughs> that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a it's an amount of money. You can just pay me for it. Yeah. Right. right. How, how much is it? How much do the rules yeah, say? It's about two houses worth. Well, yeah. how much is a house? A, a decent amount. I don't know. Hand me a stack of paper. We'll see. Yeah. You know, um, we'll, we'll just say you have the money for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, You've been around the block the, a few times. That's the soft answer. You're a rich man. We'll say you have the money for yeah. it. Whereas um, you get harder and it's like you have five dots and resources. That means that you can afford. And, and this is where soft and hard gets really interesting uh-huh. because I have five dots and resources. Okay. Does that mean I can afford renting a castle for a year or buying a castle yeah. or, or what? You know, and that's that's where things can get really gray. I think that's where things can get can get challenging. So we we can we can go we can go with there. What are your thoughts? Uh, 
as far as I'm sorry, what are my thoughts on on on, on the overall soft versus hard storytelling and challenges? So, to to me, I I think it's always easier to go harder than it is to go softer. Um, in in my experience, um, with with storytelling in general, you can always stay soft and 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 focus on the narrative and stuff like that. But you're always going to have those players that want to get more granular. Like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, uh, in, a, in a spacefaring game, having a player who suddenly wants to know every detail they can get about the how the air circulation systems work on those ships. And it's just, it's not because they're suddenly interested in, in HVAC systems in the 28th century. They're just very interested in, you know, they, they, have an, they have an idea. They want to implement that idea to say, maybe, you know, suffocate the people on an opposite ship if they can override that system. And they have four dots and computers and that's how they feel they're going to contribute. You know, hack their ship and choke them all out. That's cool. That's very ingenuitive. But at the same time, you know, now you as a storyteller need to shift from soft storytelling to, uh, you know, there's two ships in space. What do you want to do to now trying to figure out exactly what the mechanics are behind this? And when you invent those mechanics, you need to be consistent on it because you're damn well know that, that if this is effective, that player is going to try to do it again. Oh, they're totally going to do and it again. And he's going to try to manipulate it in other ways as well. Right. And, and that's where that consistency kind of comes back in. Now, the other thing, too, is um, I remember uh, a while back um, I was playing a video game called Tron 2.0. Uh, it was based off of uh, Tron, obviously. Uh, really good game, and it, it had done a lot of really great things to um, bring into a video game setting, into a story te- storytelling setting, um, from the Tron perspective of like being inside the computer system, a lot of modern technology. Like, for instance, at one point in the game, you end up accidentally loading yourself into a PDA, a personal data assistant. Um, It's basically a Palm Pilot. And uh, you're too big for the memory system of that Palm Pilot. And you essentially lock the entire place up. And the operating system spends the entire time trying to get you off of its network because you're essentially destroying it from the inside out. (laughs) And the entire level is this dinky little four-room claustrophobic affair, you know, because it's just a Palm Pilot. So they physically represented the fact that this thing is not a huge computer system by making the physical space that you're working with very small and cramped. Oh, geez. Um, And it's essentially trying to shut down the notepad app, the contacts app, and, like, the calculator app on it so that you can free up enough memory to offload yourself through its I.O. port. Um, And I thought that was really great, and I was, like, super inspired by how they did these sort of things in the game. Yeah. And... I thought to myself, like, wouldn't it be so cool to run a role-playing game like that, like, <laughs> inside the computer system? And I, I, I did a lot of thinking about it, and and I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know a small amount about computers, right, right. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a competent computer user. Sure. I am not an IT person. Right. You know, I, I know enough to do a little bit of IT for other employees at my office who know next to nothing, but I'm not rob you know <laughs> i'm not i'm not the person who who professionally does this for a living and like writes my own code and stuff um and uh i remember pitching this game to rob and uh and overwatch actually one of our other patreon contributors and said uh you know, i, I kind of want to run this game you know it'd be like all inside the computer system and uh rob and chris looked at each other and then looked back at me and basically went 
Um, yeah, you're going to have a miserable time with that. We know more than you. I mean, it wasn't that bad. Uh, well, but you were you were blunt about it, and I, not and not. I was n- honest. Not well, yeah, and, and that's and that's what I'm saying. You, it wasn't it wasn't mean. There was no you know there was no hard feelings. It was just a, it was just a gentle reminder of like if you try to put us in a computer system, knowing what you know about computers mm-hmm. and knowing what we know about computers. Yeah, we will turn your story inside out. Fleece it for its lunch money and stuff you into a locker. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you will not have had a good time telling that story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will I will agree with that statement. Probably not fleece you for lunch money and shove you in a locker. But yeah, I, I, I get where you're going with that direction. Well, me- metaphorically. You yeah. Know? Um, but I mean, to put it to a point, it's that you're leaving us something that we're intrigued in. Uh-huh. So if you dangle that out there, if you if you put that and you said it beautifully before, if you put a steak with a lion, like they're it, interested in the steak. Regardless of what else is going on, that lion is going to become very interested in yeah. that steak. <laughs> like regardless. So like if yeah. you're like, "Oh yeah, you're going to go walking into this lion's den with a, you know, a shock prod, uh, a flashlight and a steak wrapped to your back." And you're like, that's not a subtle thing. Why, why is this lion suddenly dwelling on the stake? It was literally only one detail I gave them. Right, well, and and now that player is yeah. literally going to latch onto that stake for all of its life. So in spite of any soft storytelling I would try to do in that Tron game, right. you guys have the hard knowledge behind it. And you would you would drag the story into hard storytelling. Yeah. And you would you wouldn't even like mean to do it necessarily. It's yeah. just because you know how firewalls work and network sockets work and permissions work. And and I was in a game uh, not too long ago, actually an aberrant game, and uh, the storyteller was technically proficient, and mm-hmm. one of the players had uh, technical powers where mm-hmm. they could they can manage uh, technology, and literally they were eating up between I would say five and ten minutes of just game time asking questions about minutia of how the technical system worked and what search specific search things because they know that this is the way this works. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was like, yes, you do. I know those things. Storyteller does know those things. Is it relevant that mm-hmm. you got into that level of detail? Mm-hmm. Like your character could have known nothing about this. You could have made a role and he could have said blah. And it would have had the same impact. Yeah, I, I, you, you, I think, I think what it comes down to for me is like movie rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like you notice in like movies and TV shows, like like, like procedural t- uh, cop shows are the worst about this. Um, like CSI, you watch old episodes of CSI, and it's like, uh, we need to find this. Do a search, and that's that's it. Literally, not they don't even tell them like what they're searching. It's just like, oh, we need to find this guy's, co- you know, uh, 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 credit card records. Do a search. Well, I pulled up all of his tra- financial transactions. For- tick-a, 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 what are you searching? He, How did you yeah, find it? He he made a phone call to this guy. Let me trace it and bounce it off three satellites. It's like so as as unrealistic. As that is, though, okay, you need to kind of respect it for the soft storytelling. Because oh, 100%. The, the story is not about what databases they're searching or right. how they're doing it. The, the fact is, there is a man with the technical expertise to do it at the computer. Mm-hmm. 
and there is a plot point they need to pull out of it. Right. Okay. This is combat. This is combat. This, okay. This is this, this is a player with is a skill. Making his his computer attack roll. Right. And succeeding on it. Correct. And the outcome is not damage; it is information. That's it. It's just an investigate check. Right. But the thing is, is and that that character is weighted moves, toward that, and the story moves yeah. on because we don't need to spend the hours it would literally take to get into the minutia of mm-hmm. it. It's just I did a search. I mm-hmm. found it. Mm-hmm. Now we can get back to the action of the story. Right. And you could go into a little more detail sure. and be like, the holographic display re- repre- you know, shows the server, mm-hmm. and you beaming down to it, and then you see a grid of systems and a giant, you know, red, angry-looking diamond warning you that you're, you've, you've, you're in a restricted area. Oh no, my role failed, you know. Knox Knox says Sarah dangled a sexy older Latin gentleman in front of me in our aberrant game, and that's pretty much all I focused on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, amazing. fair enough. Amazing, fair enough. Amazing, fair enough. So, uh, I guess the um, uh, I I I I guess the point that I'm trying to make is is that you can you can make things as hard or soft or crunchy mm-hmm. or I guess smooth. I mean, is that is that, is that yeah? The, we use the peanut butter analogy for so it. yeah, smooth, so, yeah, yes. yeah, processed uh, as as you need it to or be finished and unfinished. As fair, I like to refer to fair, peanut butter. Fair, you know, you know, is it done yet? No, then it's crunchy. Yes. Um, is it, it, did you get lazy and give up halfway through? Oh, crunchy peanut butter. There you yeah. go. There you go. So, uh, but effectively, it's it's just a matter of that. I think it's it's weighted to how your deciding to roll through the story mm-hmm. and if you feel that your car- your players need something a little more hard where they need those details because they're looking for them maybe they're very intrigued mm-hmm. you know lean into it a little bit but go only go so far as to not move away from the story yeah i would say i mean i i know one of the one of the big things that um gets thrown around in storytelling discussion is like never tell your players no you know, always, always yes and. and. And I think that's a good general rule for storytelling, but I think this is one of those instances where you can look a player in the eye and just be like, look, you're focusing a little too much on what is a throwaway detail here. Right. You know, I, this is this is not, you know, uh, Computer Searches 101. This is a game of aberrant about superhero people. So let's let's get back to telling that. Suffice to say, you rolled your investigate. It worked. Here's your information. Let's move. I'm sorry. One of our listeners... PM'd me privately and said that they were going to be playing a a game tonight while we were going and drinking every time we said crunchy and they said the alcohol abuse would be terrifying. <laughs> I I am so sorry. Yeah, we're we're sorry, especially that last segment. It got pretty hard there. <laughs> I, I I also love how that uh, the the words hard and soft keep uh, keep getting brought up in our sixty ninth episode. So. We're, we're, I think it's just amazing. Yes. I think it has no relevance. I think it has no according, relevance. And according to Apple, we I, have nothing to do with it. I don't even know what that means. I don't even, we have questions, though, that we should get to. We, we, yeah, we really should get some we questions. We should get these questions, because we have good questions. We have really good questions. All right. Um, who do you want to start with? Uh, well, let's actually start with our new listener, Huluvu. Yeah. All right. So First who- off. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Welcome to, the, show. to the. Thank you for joining the discard. We know you've been around for a while, according to yourself, uh, listening to yourself. We really appreciate that. But thank you for coming to the discord. We always encourage listeners to come to the discord. Please join us, please. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, shoot us shoot us questions if you want to hear us ramble about it on uh, on on air. That's because uh, because uh, because we will. Uh, and also, secondly, though, Hulavu, this is a great question. Uh, so the, the the question Hulavu asks is, how does hard versus soft storytelling influence scene descriptions? 
Uh, does this apply to telling them what happened versus just describing what the scene looks like when they show up? Uh, E.g., you walk into the room, uh, walk into the in-room and see that there was a massive fight versus as you enter the in-room, you notice the following. The table is on its side, all the chairs are broken, and there are several gouges in the floor that could have only been made by a blade. The tea kettle has also been knocked over. Okay. I would say yes. It's hard and soft. At the same time, uh, like the first thing that comes into my mind is it an investigative story setting. That's Yeah, that was the first thing. that, that, that and, and let's set that to the side. Mm-hmm. So in investigation, there's still that. But when we're talking about hard and soft, to a degree, yes. If you know your players need detail... Give them some detail in the narrative. But remember that the most important facts for the plot to move forward should always come from their investigation or actions. Mm -hmm. That is where the weight should always be. So whatever you're telling them is something that they could completely ignore or avoid. But if they roll an investigation check or they're doing something actively saying, hey, I'm going to search for this. At that point, they're engaging and that is where plot and motivations come from. And that's where you can choose to be soft or hard in mm-hmm. your storytelling and in your setting. And and that's really where it comes out. So yes, your flavor text is important to help set the expectations of hard and soft setting. Because you're not going to go into detail about, you know, like this could only have been made by a blade uh, and was a deep cut mm-hmm. that, you know, extended from here to here. Okay, great. So now the person's like, okay, well, that was a significantly amount uh, amount of time describing the blade cut. I'm going to investigate it. So now you're gonna they're gonna say, okay, well, how long and how deep was the cut? Can I do some measurements on that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you know, you can you only know that a Mazamune blade could make this cut. And you're like, they're like, great. And one of your players might be like. Oh, a Mazamune blade is that this type of blade? It's folded this many times, and it's approximately this long. Was it a katana? Or a, and they go into detail about blades, and now you're like, oh crap. Yeah, but maybe you lean into it a little bit. See, I, my my take on this is that I think you should uh, tailoring the descriptions to your players. I think is where I want to go with this. I agree. Um, so. I think you, you've given two different examples here. You, know, you walk into the room, you see that there was a massive fight versus you enter the room and you notice all the details of the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's two different descriptions for two different players at the table. Mm-hmm. I think someone who may be a little bit less uh, inclined to combat might notice all the small details of, huh, the table is knocked over and the tea kettles smashed. And what are these weird gouges in the floor? Whereas your seasoned veteran warrior is good just no that's a fight like and i've seen this i've seen this dozens of times this is what the aftermath of a fight looks right. like and then your social person's just like wow the drapes that fell off the wall when they were torn down don't match the carpet at all mm-hmm. this person must not have a very high lifestyle and now you can you can describe to the warrior of like okay so yeah you you instantly recognize this as the signs of a fight right. rogue you notice that there are shallow cuts here and there these are uh, uh, you know, marks that would be made by a short, swift blade, like a dagger or a short sword. Mm-hmm. Blade didn't have a lot of weight and made st- slashing motions. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you're the rogue, you know that sort of thing. Right. Wizard, who deals heavily in fire, you smell a little bit of of sulfur and brimstone in the air. 
there's that slight bit of electricity, and you do notice that there are some scorch marks along the left wall. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these are individual details you can give out, and then let your players put it all together what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know that any of these are necessarily hard or soft. I think there's maybe harder, the harder details the more you get into it, because... You Again, you, when say, you're saying, like, you smell brimstone, now you're getting closer to hard. You have, you've established that fire spells smell like brimstone when they when they go off or something like that. Right. Or maybe, you know, that, that might in, indicate a, uh, an infernal influence or something like that. But, correct, correct. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can... I, th- I think it's important to tailor your tailor your descriptions to your to, to your various players, um, what they would notice. Mm-hmm. Their character would notice. Yeah, what their what their character would notice. But yeah, I think you can, you can get a little you can get a little uh, you know hard hard storytelling with it. Yeah, just remember that you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to give something like that up, specifically when a character uh, researches something and then makes a jeez, uh, guys, yes, I made the comment. Yes, I'm gonna let it slide. For those of you who are listening, I did make that comment. It was blatant. I'm stepping away from it now. <laughs> Anywho, I'll get it. regardless. Uh, so the the point is is that if you do make a comment like the brimstone comment, it's mm-hmm. a Chekhov's gun. Oh yeah, and you have to be consistent with it. Yeah. So it, sure, you make a brimstone comment, and then maybe two scenes later, you re- you have a guy literally like walking away, and they see bits of dust hanging off of him, and someone leans over and like that's brimstone. Mm-hmm. That guy's a demon. For those of you not aware of what Chekhov's gun is, it's the philosophy that if you show a gun in the first act of a play, you have to have somebody shot by it by the third act. Correct. Um, if you're going to put a detail in, use it. Correct. It has to have a use. And so that's where Star Trek really does a good job of that, mm-hmm. is that most things are soft storytelling until they use a new term. Mm-hmm. And then that new term is the Chekhov's gun of that term, or the Chekhov of that game, as the situation <laughs> be. Um so you'll always find that. Now, they may reuse it again later as a catch-up, and that's great. That's good storytelling is when you bring stuff back um, and reiterate. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that situation that happened here. We might have that happening again. That doesn't mean it's going to be a Chekhov's gun again, mm-hmm. but that's just that's building upon your storylines. Yeah. Um, but anytime you do that, remember, be consistent. Yep. That's the key. All right, you want to grab another question? Sure. Um, I'll just go up. Uh, Overwatch asks, how does hard versus soft storytelling affect pre-game setup? Things like world building or campaign design. Oh, my God. So many so many wiki pages. <laughs> so many wiki pages and, like, odd odd YouTube searches. Like, um, when you guys were going into Coalfell, uh, the, the coal mining town in mm-hmm. my game, um, there's a little village and I had to look up all sorts of stuff about what coal mining actually looked like so I could describe the town to you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I described like the big vats of water that they would keep yep. in and stuff like that to soak it from keeping it from blowing up. Right. And also it washes all the ash and stuff like that off of it so that you only end up with the big chunks of it. Right. Because that all sort of sits to the bottom, but the, the coal floats. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, I, I learned a lot of stuff about that. And then even still, even with all the stuff that I accounted for, mm-hmm. you guys still took it one extra level of of hard storytelling after that because you ended up fighting the, the monster in that mm-hmm. encounter in the coal mine. Yeah. And it was just in the entrance, but, yeah. you, but you went into the mine to fight it. And one of the first things, and I don't remember if it was you or if someone else said, was like, 
oh crap, Tristan, you cannot be firing off your, fi- your, your, your fire spells in here. There might be coal dust in the air. You could light this entire place up. Yep. And the moment you said it, it had to be real. Yep. Like, I had to be like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally a thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had to quick invent rules for how that would happen because it was too cool. Yeah. Not, like, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even that I was obliged to. It was just that it was too cool of an idea, and I didn't think of it. So. Right. And, and a lot of times your players will create hard setting pieces. And, and what, what happened in that moment was you guys upped the dramatic tension mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. You used hard storytelling to in, you injected that into into a setting that I intended just to be a a horror encounter with a gibbering mouther. Right. Okay. But you injected more dramatic tension by taking it that extra hard storytelling level. And I wasn't going to just leave that on the table. Right. I wasn't going to not make it a thing. I wanted it to be a tense encounter. So when you said that, I was like, "Well, that has like, yeah." Yeah. Now you guys are all operating under the uh, because you said it. They're all operating under the impression that that's true now. Yeah, and to get back to Overwatch's question because we kind of danced away from it uh-huh. in the pregame setup of any game, especially when you have um, hard storytelling in in the setting and design, which is what I'm going to focus on this one in the world and the campaign. When you have a hard setting, you're defining things down to a detailed level beyond what the players are going to request Mm -hmm. so you have to know the lineage you have to know the history you have to know the timeline you have to know why certain things are occurring um so that the players can play into that as deeply as they want to go yeah yeah and that's where it can get very challenging at the same time defining those things to the nth degree and making sure that it works within the format of your story Mm -hmm kind of makes it easier later to answer those questions. Whereas with a soft storytelling, which we really tend to do, in all honesty, we tend to do it, um, we're answering questions as we go and making notes. You're writing names for people in towns, and then being like, okay, this person's this, they sneeze, and uh, they're married to this other person. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then, okay, so now that's a thing. That is a hard rule in the system, Mm -hmm. and, and is canon, if you will, Instead of you having that whole town pre-designed with all of the rule, with all the people and all the things in it, so that if they enter this room and talk to this person, exactly. you already know who they are. I think it's 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 a tricky balance to get. Honestly, it's something to uh, that, that I don't know that we would be able to like relate. It's something you kind of got to get through. Um, I think experience. a lot of I want to say early on, I personally leaned into doing hard. Oh yeah, because yeah, I was yeah. worried. That I wasn't going to be prepared. And that that's, I think, where, where most storytellers start, is you start off hard and you define everything mm-hmm. so that when the question is asked, you have the answer to it. And then you slowly realize how much of that was unnecessary. Yeah. And then you you can slowly back your, back your stuff off into a soft storytelling style, but still kind of have your pertinent details that you know are going to get asked down. Yeah. You know, for instance, I tend to have um, five NPCs. Um, in any given location that yeah. are probably your more pertinent people. Like yeah. I always have a, like a town guard, someone who's a leader there, um, like a blacksmith, a shopkeeper, an innkeeper, sure. you know, things like that, because these are common places you mm-hmm. guys are going to go. And if you instead go to, I don't know, the cart shop instead of the leather worker or something like that, even if I have this person written down as a leather worker, uh, they're the cart right now. Yeah. Uh, scr- scribble, that scribble, was scribble, important. quick note. 
boom. But yeah. I've still got a, no, a name. I've still got a personality to give you. And mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can wiggle stuff around a little bit. It doesn't have to be that way. So let's keep going. I'm going to get a few more of these in before in the last, like, seven minutes here. Oh, yeah, yeah, So grab another one. All right. Uh, so we actually have two from the Mad Elf. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll grab the first one here. Uh, how much discussion do you have with your players when planning the game about how hard or soft the game setting and mechanics will be? I definitely bring it up now. Like, if it's within the design of the song. Like, for instance, I don't have to explain to you guys that 7C is going to be a soft mechanics game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's going to be very narrative. Usually, in the des- when you're talking about a game system, you're talking about its majority of its style. Okay? And what it's going to be like. Um, and how scenes go. And how narrative they are. And how comfortable you kind of are in those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's necessary to always bring that up with your players. I, I, I don't think you can step away from that. Especially for, excuse me, mechanics. Yeah. Setting, you can be a little loose with it, um, but if you don't hand them information, give them lore, things like that, it's going to be kind of obvious that it's going to be a softer setting. Yeah. Um, see, I, I really don't know how to answer this one because I, I feel like... I feel like I always, I always do at least a little bit of hard storytelling um, first off, and, and I... I, I like to tend to have things grounded in reality so that we all have that sort of internal consistency to work off of. I don't generally like soft storytelling that's hand wavy. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from from me telling the story standpoint, um, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like you know Star Trek and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I'd necessarily have that discussion. Uh, you do, but you don't realize you're having it. That 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 might and that might be it. That it's become be second it. nature with you. Okay, I mean, do you, do you, can you can you give me an example? Like, because I I don't your I don't last even... game was hard storytelling. Your la- your current game is kind of hard storytelling as uh-huh. far as the setting goes because you give us lots of lore. That's true. Okay. You hand that to us. You explain to us that hey, if you want to know more about this, here's where you can go. Mm-hmm. It we're in this era at this time in this area. This is what your character would know. So watch this section oh, of the video. That's true. And like I'm just thinking back to to uh, that dungeon you guys mm-hmm. recently went through. Like there was a whole story behind how that dungeon worked and mm-hmm. what, whose tomb it was and mm-hmm. what the history behind that mm-hmm. guy was. Mm-hmm. And then you met the dragon and the mm-hmm. dragon had some dealings with him mm-hmm. and he had some bit more backstory there. Mm-hmm. So that yeah okay so that's kind of hard story telling isn't it yeah yeah okay that's fair (laughs) it's not squishy that's fair no that's actually very fair yeah um so the second question is um some setting systems lend themselves to being very specific hard soft shadowrun for example has a detailed information about how both magic and technology work how do you adjust to settings which are very hard or soft to be less so and why might you do that I would streamlining s- gameplay. That's I, I why would you say, do it. yeah, you re- you're, you're trying to get to what's important to you. Um, I streamline seven C at times uh, because I want to get through. Like we don't usually do dueling in seven C. I've done it in specific scenes, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I stay away from it because it is time consuming. Yeah, and it is not really what my players want to do. Yeah. So I don't lean into it at all. And not only is it time consuming, but it's only one person typically versus one NPC. So literally everybody else at your table is sitting there just spectating during that time. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the, the biggest things is like, and this is one of the reasons why, like, I hate GURPS. I don't say I hate GURPS. I just, I really don't favor GURPS. If I've got better options than GURPS, I'll take them. Yeah. You know, is because 
GURPS is a very crunchy system. It's a very hard system, and they try to codify everything in it. Mm-hmm. So if you want a rule for the for the you know velocity of a, of a of a particular type of bullet, it's probably in there. You know, you're if you play GURPS by the rules, your turns are one second long. Reloading a firearm can take three turns. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a three second action, and even that's kind of quick. But it's three turns, and can you imagine getting that granular with your combat? You know, I prefer games where we speed things up. 7C has that kind of granular abilities within it, and yeah. I just choose not. I'm like, and you just gloss over Usually them. what I state is, yeah. firearms are fire and forget, because it takes too long to reload. The, game, the, the combat's over. Uh-huh. So most people will never reload I've, that. I've done it, but that's because I'm highly specialized, and I've only Correct. done it a few times. And it still takes you, like, three turns. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and some really good rolls. Yeah, and I've only Cannon's and, different story, but and like I said, I've only done it a few times, mm-hmm. and I am a gun bunny in your game, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, all um, right. So I hope that helps. Yeah, answer that question. Uh, okay, so Knox in the box, uh, the progenitor of this topic, um, asks: I assume uh, that how you decide whether your story is hard or soft depends on what aspects of the story you want to emphasize, by the cultural or more technical. Uh, or sorry, be they cultural or more technical. That being said, if everyone at the table is considered to be a storyteller in their own way, be it a player or as a GM, how do you keep the emphasis and feel consistent and not completely thrown off by the influence of the players? Is there a way to lean into uh, into it that you recommend? Um, for me, I think it's it, it comes back to uh, knowing your players and knowing what your players are more or less interested in. And knowing what their characters are going to be interested in and giving them that, you know. So when we were talking about Hulavu's question, um, you know, you give your room descriptions. Mm-hmm. Give your room descriptions based on the pro- general profession and expertise level of that player or, yeah. or of, of, that, of that character, character. you know. Um, so that way you are kind of giving them granular details, mm-hmm. but they're details that their character would know. It enhances the feel of the story for them because it makes them feel unique. It makes them feel informed in their own little bailiwick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. I, I like one of the things that uh, Overwatch actually said in the Discord, and I agree with it. Okay. And that is uh, the best option for hard storytelling, as he sees it, uh, is to have a firm knowledge of the source material and be willing to move the needle. Yes. And you can do that. You can definitely do that. And the source material, as far as I'm concerned, is both the setting mm-hmm. as well as the rules. And being able to say when you're going to shift that needle because you need – it's not as important in this portion yes, of the story. exactly. That is where I think that really comes and shines. Yep. So, Knox, I, I hope today's episode helped. I hope this uh, – I hope you're, we got your question done. Um, next week, we are going to talk about the building uh, – the intersection of world building and picking the right system and how to adapt an existing book or movie to a tabletop. Yep. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, um, and that's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can find us at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, please, please, please join us uh, Join us on our Discord, um, show, shoot us some questions, or just uh, join in the discussion with other uh, storytellers uh, like you. Um, you can find uh, the link for that up on our Twitter, as well as at storyteller-conclave.blueberry.net. 
We'd like to thank our Patreon members, specifically Knox in the Box, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum, and the rest of you, even those who may have joined us tonight, uh, for helping us every month and making the show as great as it is and helping us move it forward. Um, our pre-show music today was by Kai Ingle. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. The intro music that you heard was Beyond the Warrior by Geefrog. Uh, you can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Uh, our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand, which you're hearing right now by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years and give us some great experiences to talk about here on our show. And you, every single one of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We love you all. Love Stay you safe. All. Good, Good night. night.